to the Sojourn Church podcast. We are glad you are here, and thanks for listening. As a church, we exist to exalt and enjoy the supremacy of Jesus Christ in all things, equip the saints, and extend the gospel to all people by reproducing disciples and churches for the glory of God. More information about the life and mission of Sojourn Church can be found at SojournTulsa.org. That's S-O-J-O-U-R-N, Tulsa.org. And uh, those first two songs, just as we're preparing to go into uh, the uh, new year and, and, and looking at some of the things that we're looking at through these five weeks here in January, kind of a time to... Um, uh, I always use it as a time for assessment. Many people use it to, as a time to maybe look at the past year and see some things that, uh, man, I would like to see some changes, some growth in some areas, some hitting some goals, uh, and maybe setting some goals for the for the new year. And uh, that that song that we sang first there, that Psalm 46, that Shane and Shane uh, wrote to that right out of the lyrics, uh, right out of the scriptures, um, that Lord of hosts, you're with us, with us in the fire. And so, man, many people um, come every Sunday and, um, feel like, man, this last week, this last month, this last six months has been a fire. Um, you're with us as a shelter. You're with us in the storm. You'll lead us through the fiercest battle. And so sometimes that, that's the things that we run into that we didn't have planned this next week. We didn't have planned on our calendar this year. And we find ourselves in this, this very difficult fire where we're needing shelter, and what a beautiful promise that the, that the Lord said, I, I want my people to know this. Here, psalmist, write this, that I'm like a shelter over them, that, that they're, they're not having to go out and figure this out on their own, that they're not alone, though you're going to feel alone. Um, you're not separated from me, that I'm with you in the middle of that fire. I'm like a shelter over you. And so um, hopefully you know, that you're not facing that just constantly, but, but that reminder that we have that hope. And so as we look at the new year, that fits. Um, that second song that we sang there, thinking about just the theme of heaven, heaven that we want to sing this resurrection in this resurrected life. We want to sing the hymn of heaven and just almost just take our holy imagination and imagine standing there um, in the resurrection. So if you've got, you know, my parents have both passed away. And so just thinking through uh, family members, moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, uh, standing there and, and knowing just tears running down their face, gazing at this person that we've, we've always heard about, we heard stories about. And as a kid, he's just kind of this little really nice guy, really nice guy with a beard. And, and then we get to see the one. We get to see his hands. And so um, if that matters, then we, we come to the place of that last song going, man, that's amazing grace. That's amazing. That, that's shocking that, that all of us with not only our sinful hearts, but then our behaviors and actions and words and motives and, and secrets and all this, uh, that you would shed grace on us. That's amazing. And so, man, that's a great start of the year. That's a great way to think through, man, that, that's where we're moving. And so that's taking that idea of from Advent to assessment. I love the way Brad thinks through those songs. So if you come, just know that there, there's Brad is always thinking through the theme of that, wanting to go to a heart level, not, hey, what's the top three songs on the radio this week? Hey, what, 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 is, what is that huge, famous church? What, what are the songs just coming out of there? No, it's like, hey, what's hitting at the heart level? What speaks of the cross? And it may not be the trendiest one. It may be a new one. It may be an old one. But, but it, just trying to think through the heart and also not having to worry about all those little things like, oh, gosh, that, I heard that guy you know, uh, who wrote that hymn. He, he owned a motorcycle. And my mom always told me motorcycles were bad, so, so we can't sing that song or something you know, weird like that. And you're like, Brad just wants to go for the heart. And so I, every week, last three weeks, he's tore me up. I made it through this one without breaking down in tears. So thanks, Brad. Thanks for going light on us. Um, so this idea of um, assessment, from Advent into assessment. Um, today's going to be a little bit different just because this is actually, this is difficult when you do this, but so um, when you go, hey, I've got four teachings, and I'm kind of introducing this this week. We, we talked about it last week with the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, the laborers are few. 
But this week, we're going to be starting this. I'm going, to, I'm going to put this idea out there that I want you to contemplate and take through this week, just to think through and do some assessment. And then next week, we're going to look at how that applies more and how it applies specifically as individuals, but also as a corporate body and also as a church plant in year four in a, in a very diverse, difficult community. Uh, difficult meaning like there's difficult. What I, not, not, what I don't mean by that is there's bad people out there. Everyone's bad. We're bad. What I mean difficult is um, there's a lot of distrust, and there's a lot of distrust for churches, and there's a lot of misled ideas out there, but also there's also just the spirituality of America has just kind of sunk. So you ask across the board, people, there's just a not a spiritual fervor, and so what do we do with that? And so how do we still be a faithful gospel presence? That That's difficult. And so in that, um, we're going to go through this week and then the next couple of weeks looking at how we live that out. And even as a church, some plans and some processes that we're going to be doing as a church. But then the, the, I hope you're here in three weeks. Uh, we're going to have kind of a, a day of just really laying our hearts before the Lord. Maybe a time I'm going to try to prepare you guys for that to where we can think through that together. Uh, a time of literally just corporate repentance just to look back and to maybe some time of confession. I, and not you guys coming up and getting a microphone or doing that, but just really looking at, I mean, the faithfulness of the Lord and then a desire of faithfulness on our part, but truly what we say matters, those ideas of um, conviction. Am, am I even taking the time to be convicted over little bitty things? Um, and is there repentance? Am I giving time for repentance in my life and confession of sin? Um, and then is there renewal sparked from that? Um, you will not get renewal. You will not get abundant life if there's not repentance and confession and, and conviction. And I know that in the church world, they wanted to, hey, but if I sing five songs and you know, give, that, give me the chills, and, and man, it's where I feel renewed. That doesn't last very long. It definitely doesn't laugh, last when bad stuff hits your life or when you realize that you hit your life. Your decisions have cost and, and hurt you. And so I um, want to take some time to think through. So a little bit different sermon. Just be prepared for that. Um, I'm asking you to do some assessment this week. So it's not normal, just expository teaching, uh, but it's contemplative and assessment. Uh, it's a natural time to do some assessment. Uh, and for some, that may be setting some goals. Some people may be way over here, and you just like to set goals in every single area of your life. And then other people may be like, oh, maybe like two big broad goals like, I'd like to lose a pound this year, you know, like just one pound. Or, you know, like I'd, I'd like to, Jamie and I bought one of those Echelon bikes. It's been up there for two weeks now. Um, I haven't got on it yet. And so like, maybe I'll ride that a couple times this year. And so like that, those are pretty general rules, right? Um, but to consider the direction you're going. I've laid out for my boys. I met with each one of my boys this week just talking about direction. Um, it's directionless. This may be applied to you too. It's directionless. If you just get on here for no reason. So if I'm going somewhere, I use my phone. I don't use this for emailing, stuff like that. Um, and, and so, but like, it's a phone to me. It's not my whole life. And so it's directionless to get on here and just to just start, I'm bored. I'm just going to go here and just see where it leads me, whether it's TikTok or Twitter or whatever app that you like or whatever. Like, check the weather, do whatever. But it's directionless to get on here. And now you spend an hour two hours, some people, you know, long periods of time or repeatedly. They say it's like, you know, 400 or six times, 600 times a day. That's directionless. Directionless with your relationships. Is there a point and are you thinking through some of the relationships in your life, whether that's friends, whether that's boyfriends, girlfriends, whether that's your own marriage, is there direction in your relationships, um, your direction in your family? Um, thinking through those things. So I've get my, with my boys talking about those things. Direction in your life. What, what, what are you looking for at 18? Because you, you can't just like wake up at 18 and go like, oh, huh, I wasn't prepared for this. You know, like uh, mom and dad said I no longer need a key to the house. And so uh, uh, I've been joking with them since they were like four or five, like she's mine. One day you will leave. This is um, you leaving and finding your own, but she's mine. You don't get to keep her. There will be a day when you move on, she's staying with me. She's not going with you to cook and clean and do all that stuff. She's with me. You'll have to go find your own. It's probably going to be rough for a while. And so um, just directionless, and we've got to prepare ourselves for that. Um, so thinking through that, uh, Proverbs 16 and, and Proverbs 9, because we can make all these plans. So I have this scripture up here. Um, In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines 
his steps. So you can be one of those people who come with all the goals and all the steps and all the plans for this year, maybe your physical body, maybe your financial goals, maybe your marriage goals, maybe your parenting goals, maybe your work goals, and you want to do all this and have all these things that you're successful in, and then the Lord determines his steps. Anyone had anything, a step that you didn't plan this year? Anyone had like a week, you got into like Tuesday, and you're like, didn't, didn't, didn't really see that one coming. I'd like to just skip over that one and run around and get to Wednesday or maybe a week that you didn't plan, a month or two months that you didn't see coming. So the Lord determines the steps. So we can set all our plans, but then God allows things to hit our lives. And it's not for our, not like in a form of being mean to us. He wants to develop perseverance and he wants to see this is the most loving thing I can, I can, I can do. Um, so, Psalm 90 says, so teach us to number our days. So are you intentional with direction? Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. So that's what we're going to be looking at, this idea of wisdom. And so I can assess where we've been, where we're at, uh, where we want to go, and lay out a beautiful course forward, a beautiful vision on paper, but, but then... You don't know what God is going to allow to hit your lives this year, this month, this week. Sometimes huge blessings that we never knew were awaiting us. Um, sometimes um, minor difficulties that we have to navigate around. And, and sometimes it's life-altering things that we didn't see coming. And so um, my hope and my prayer is that if you're considering these things like physical goals, financial goals, health goals, family and individual goals, my hope is that you're also stepping back with a broader picture and thinking through eternal goals, so relational goals for the sake of the gospel. Are you being intentional with some people for the sake of the gospel? Um, spiritual growth goals, your own personal devotional life. A lot of times this is when people kick into their, you know, their reading plan. I, I've never read through the Bible or I've never really stuck to a, a devotional plan. And, and maybe I just need a devotional. Maybe I need a Bible reading plan. And they, you know, they, they get into that and then they stop after, you know, five days or three days or, or two weeks. And so it, it's a good time to start that. And we we, ha- we want to provide those things for you, but we want you to just think through what, what what's your goal in that? Is it just a check mark, a task, or, or do you really believe that this invisible God is near, like we just sang, that you're with us in the middle of this? And now here comes something I didn't plan on, and my devotional life is what, in my prayer, is me having perspective from God and having God's heart in the middle of this, this day that hit, this week that hit, that I didn't have planned, um, a relational difficulty, whatever it is. So personal spiritual growth plans. Goals, And then also uh, ministry and service goals. I'm going to spend some time these next two or three weeks looking at, as a church body even, here's some ways of us getting into the community. Here's some possibilities of having a physical place, a place that people could drive by and see. Um, there's a couple of places that we've been looking at for a while, and um, then just think through, what would that be like? Um, I'm going to mention at the end, announcements in announcements, uh, just uh, in February, starting this uh, class for, for younger kids um, from 9.45 to 10.15, to, just so we can have that going. So if people, families come, and then we can say, hey, yeah, you, you've got five kids, here's something that they could go and plug into, equipping classes, all kinds of things like that, but things during the year, natural rhythms that we want to talk about. And so considering this theme, um, I hope to give some vision and direction, but again, today's going to be a little bit different. Um, if we look at our goals here, I have a slide up here that talks about uh, today's sermon. So to help us apply the Bible and wisdom and love to navigate through 2023. And so um, uh, here's the premise. This is the shepherding concern, a pastoral concern, that we have lost our true compass. Now, in saying that, I'm not saying that specifically about everyone in here. I'm not saying that specifically about Sojourn in particular. It may not be necessarily us um, here at Sojourn, but a collective feeling throughout the evangelical world, a feeling of kind of this loss of societal expectations or norms or shifting culture, um, and, and and so that's what I mean by that when I say um, that uh, have, there's this, this loss of a true compass. So here are the, the four things just to think through today. Kind of a, a different type sermon, but number one is I am always being influenced by something or someone. I'm always being influenced by something or someone. Um, that happens in traffic. That happens um, sometimes when you wake up. You play some worship music. You play your favorite music, you're in silence, this person interrupts your calm, quiet in the morning, and they, you know, immediately you're, you start, you're getting texts, you're getting emails, 
of whatever that is, the weather, the surrounding circumstances, all kinds of things. But you're being influenced. The second one is this influence, it's a mixture. It's a mixture of the world around me, but it also includes the good and evil power. So you've got God and Satan. We're in a spiritual war going on. And remember, uh, we spent some time looking for four weeks during the summer on that, just like we're in a spiritual warfare. Now, we try to act like that we're not. We try to forget about that. But it, we've got the, the world around me and the influences. And then also there's good and evil powers, God and, and, and the demonic. And then in the middle of that, you also have your own heart. So sometimes it's not Satan, because remember, Satan is a physical being. He's not like God. He's not omnipresent, and he's not omnipotent, where he has all power. So Satan is in a fixed place. Now, he can take different forms of stuff, but I don't think Sankey Lynch is like at the top, or Sojourner's at the top of his list, so he's not like, man, let's get back down there and jinx and just mess with his day. Now, there's demonic, but you know what? Sometimes with us, if we're just honest, it's not the demonic. It's definitely like Satan. It's not Satan the being. Our own heart just has evil in it. You wake up and, and you're just frustrated with the spouse, with kids, with your work. You're, you're just angry about stuff. Or you're just greedy or jealous or covetousness or whatever. It is. And so your own heart is one of the biggest things. So I would say this, in 2023, the greatest danger for my boys, and I, I talked to them about this, your greatest danger is not these evil kids around you. It's not even, you know, one's, one's driving pretty soon. It's not even the, the danger of wrecks and stuff. Your greatest evil, the greatest danger around your life, 2023, is right in your own heart. And we don't like to look at that. Now, a lot of churches in America never would want to say that. They're like, you're, you're the greatest thing ever. God lives for your glory. You know, God loves you so much. You're the center of everything. And they want to make it like that. And the reality is that that's not a, a true picture. And so um, our own heart that's a huge thing. And that's why we're talking about this idea of, behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. So the third thing is there, this influence, it affects my heart, my mind, my soul, and my volition. So those are your actions in very practical, tangible, daily decisions. And then the fourth thing is, in order to be a faithful gospel presence, believers must be aware of the voices and also be aware, self-aware of their responses. So we're at a time now where there's a lot of voices, and, and sometimes the evangelical church is not aware of how we're responding and what we're listening to and, and how we're listening to that and how it's affecting us. So that's what we're going to be looking at. It affects your heart, your mind, your soul, your volitions. Um, so your heart, that, that's your feelings and your emotions, your, your mind, your, your thinking, the cognitive things that you take action from, or it affects your thinking that moves to emotions that then you take actions on. And so then your soul, the deeper, eternal level. So the thing I'm sharing with my boys is like your decisions can have eternal consequences. It's a little bit different from a six-year-old to a 16-year-old to a 26-year-old, right? Eternal consequences, the, thing, the things that you're doing. Um, and then your volitions, your actions and behaviors. Um, again, this is not necessarily just sojourn church. I'm not saying that. But this collective feeling that um, it's not just shifting norms, but also the speed of the changes that we're seeing. That, that's what people have felt like in the last 10 years. It's not just the changes that have taken place, but how quickly they took place. Um, it, it seemed, things that seemed to be obvious and clear and absolute, they moved quickly to, to questioning it, something that was established for a long time, as, as this is an absolute truth. In fact, it moved quickly to questioning, and then the next day, it was completely removed. In an hour, it felt like we no longer have that category of right and wrong, or this is obviously true, and this is obviously not true. So what a man or a woman is, what is morally acceptable or what is morally unacceptable? What defines marriage? Who can we look to and trust with truth? Who also has our best interest in mind? So, so governments, um, uh, medical, um, churches, all those things are put into question. And there's this, this question of, do they really have our best interests in mind? They used to, but I don't know if I can trust that because I'm hearing some other voices. And so I, I, you're going to see that by the end of the day. Um, and we're just supposed, and here, here's what's really difficult for the evangelical American church. It feels like we're just supposed to deal with it and just take it. Like you're just supposed to take it. And, and, and that causes a lot of emotions, doesn't it? So that, that causes a lot of angst and anger 
or frustration or fear, even hatred. Um, We're just supposed to deal with it. And by the way, your view, not only is it no longer irrelevant, it's moving towards being illegal. That's a scary, frustrating thing. So what do we do then? Um, it's, It's moving towards illegal and punishable by law just because you stand on the Bible. So um, that overwhelming feeling collectively inside evangelical America is causing lots of mixed emotions as well as lots of voices with different opinions. So some pundits and voices are playing on that angst and anger that you fear, that you feel, or, or the hatred or the fear that you feel. They're playing on that. And when they hit on that in you, that anger, that angst, that fear, when they hit on that, it's addictive. Um, it keeps you coming back for more. And here's why. Finally, someone agrees with me. Finally, so I found this, this website. I found this, this, this talk show. I found this podcast. I found this article, this blog, this writer that finally gets it and they see it my way. You're being discipled. You're being counseled. You're being powerfully influenced. So what we're going to look at today is we need to be aware of how that's happening because of the world around us, because of the powers around us, God and Satan, and then because of our own hearts. We need to be aware of what that looks like. Um, well, and some of those are even arguing on what we must do right now or the only godly step for you to take because of all this stuff is this. Or some are even just saying, you know, God in America, when they strike back, and, that's, and people are going, man, line me up. That's what I'm looking for. And so just, man, again, there's an over-realized eschatology. Um, we're not going to go into the different ways today on attacking culture or being activists against culture or pacifists with culture or compromising with culture or isolating from culture. Um, I, I want you to see this, this slide here. It's about the influences that are around us. I hope just visually, visually shows you. Um, and, and the goal, again, is to help us to apply the Bible and wisdom and love to navigate 2023. So you see God and Satan, they're up there. There are those influential places where God has good. He's only wanted good for us. And he's, he's provided us with grace, but Satan's always tempting us, always wanting evil to overtake us. You see just the, the, the world around us. And, and so this idea that our hearts, our hearts, uh, we think that they're good, but, but they're a little bit darker than we would like to admit. Like Jeremiah tells us, that, that your hearts are deceitfully wicked beyond all things. Like, I don't like to think that way. And so um, as we go through this, hopefully this will prepare us for a changing world, but in a hopeful, engaging way, not in a frustrated, angst-filled, attacking way. And, and you can find those churches that are telling you that's the way forward. Let's, let's be like Paul, and they're, they're misquoting Paul, misunderstanding Paul. They're quoting different places, going, this is what Jesus would have done. And you're like, that's not what I'm seeing on the chosen, because um, that is the Bible, right? And so I'm joking. And so, but when you see those, it helps me so much to see that. Like so many times, I'm like, man, they do such a great job of like, that was probably what he was like. And, like, and I was with the foolish guy, all upset or angry around him. So let's look at uh, uh, Luke chapter 10 there. This is... Um, that same section that we read last week, but we're going to focus on that idea that, that um, behold, I'm sending you as lambs among wolves. And so let me pray. Father, um, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are in control. Um, we thank you that you are sovereign. There's not tomorrow that you don't understand. There's not a tomorrow that, that you're worried about, that you're, you're frustrated over. There's not a tomorrow that you, you haven't completely allowed or caused things to happen purposely. So we can rest in you and trust in you in that. And so as we read your word, I pray that the Holy Spirit would guide us in truth and guide us in, in knowledge, but, but also give us wisdom on how we apply knowledge and truth. Wisdom is, is that truth applied to our lives in a way that we're still Christ-like, in a way where we're still compassionate and graceful and truthful and merciful. That's what the world needs. The world needs a faithful gospel presence. So help us to think through um, as we assess these other things, whether that's what we're becoming. In your name we pray, amen. So let's look through this uh, 10, one through three there. One through, yeah, three. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. 
And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest and send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. So read that again. Behold, and that, that behold idea is, is pause. You got this crowd of people, 70 people, plus the 11 in Judas. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs amongst wolves. So we read that, we're like, oh, that's inspiring. That's challenging. That's, that's Jason Bourne like Christianity. No, that stinks. That, 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 that's like, you know, hey, hey, it's midnight, Peoria and 61st. Just go to the store. Just, just walk over to that store and knock on the door. Ah, uh, I don't know if that's wise. That seems a little dangerous in this area. I told you, just go out. But we could get hurt. Yeah, that's what happens with lambs and wolves that I told you beforehand. And so it sounds a little Jason Bornish and cool, you know, Christian until like you're put in that position. And so, and think through this, that, so that word behold there, just know that it was meant to, to be kind of staggering and pause and think through. And that, that's completely foreign to today's Christianity. That is all about your comforts, your ease, and making your life just more profitable. Like what if there's actually cost? This week, starting Monday, Monday through Saturday, in your life, there's actual difficult cost. You're a believer? We're not, I saw you having a Bible at your desk. You can't work here any longer. What do you do? You're a believer? You can't say that. You can't talk about that stuff. I saw you praying. You're, you're disallowed or you're fired. You have Bibles. We're coming in to take those from your house. We, we just go, we, we can't even think that way. But we click on a 12-second thing because it's not too entertaining uh, of the Ukraine where they're, they're hunkering down in cement buildings just hoping that my 4-year-old and 7-year-old and 9-year-old don't get blown away by the missiles that are landing. And we, that, that's a reality. So, I'm sending out as lambs among wolves. So the world's going to be dangerous. There's things going on. And so it should kind of shock us. And remember this. Think through those, those, those towns and villages. No churches. No Methodist church. No Presbyterian church. No Baptist church. No Assembly of God. No, no um, um, Presbyterian. No Catholic. No churches in that area. And so, um, so you're, you're just going out with this message. What was the message? He told them just in a little bit. Uh, so he, think about this also. Had Jesus died on the cross when he sent them out? No. Had he resurrected? No. What's their message that they're supposed to go out with? Just go out and tell them, repent, the kingdom is near. Just think through that. I mean, that's difficult. Ours is a cakewalk. Like we've got, you know, Mardell's where you can get like little, you know, cross rings and and t-shirts that, you know, have all kinds of stuff and all kinds of little cliche things. Like ours is a cakewalk. There's a Bible. Even if they just, you know, slam the door in your face, you're like, well, hey, you may be foolish, but I I know this is true. Like they didn't have this even. So think about the difficulty. Think think of how our culture in our day is and and what we have as an opportunity. So what the world wants to say, and sometimes Satan wants to trick us into believing, is that it's just impossible. It's getting harder and harder. No, it was harder then. It was harder then. It's just, I'm just sitting here just being inundated by all the info and all the stuff that's gone. I'm being influenced and discipled into believing one way when when it's all right. Um, the, one of the funniest things when Jamie and I went to the Harbor Network, you know, our church planting group, the Harbor Network, um, our retreat, Dave Owens, our director, he was talking with one of the guys who's on the board. I think I'd mentioned this before that they had talked about, man, we've had so many just churches just struggling. I, I think I mentioned over 60%, 70% had said 2022 and 2023 is like relaunching, re-evaluating, re-this, re-re-re-re. And he said, Man, it's just hard to see. Just lives torn up. Difficulty, difficulty, difficulty. Some bad things have happened. And Dave just said, but you know, the Lord's okay. The Lord's okay. And they just started dying laughing. He's like, what a statement. Like, yeah, obviously the Lord is okay. So now they're actually, the emails we get from there is like, they, they finalize it with, the Lord is okay. Like, that's kind of dumb. Is like, like God's not going like, oh man, there's a dumpster fire over here. What? I, I don't know what to do. I'm just so busy. Like, the Lord is okay. And so that part of our assessment is the Lord's okay. He's in control. Am I being influenced by all these voices that are getting me to react and do things and act certain ways and behaviors that, that are not in this? Because this was tough for them. 
uh, he, he predicted, if you go through, I'm not going to go through all these slowly, but uh, look at these next slides, the prediction of wolves and adversaries. He said, this is what it's going to be like. Notice this in Luke 4. Um, people don't notice this. Um, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. He's a growing celebrity. Everyone loves him. He's going from place to place. People are gathering. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Let's go to the synagogue. Same chapter. Same chapter. In 4, 18 and 19, he goes into his own home and goes into the synagogue, that church there, and he starts preaching. Really, really ridiculous, tough message. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And that's that word gospel. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering sight to the blind, set at liberty all those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Like that, that's the first, that's the original prosperity gospel, except it was real. He was going, the, the blessings, the salvation is coming to you. I'm not necessarily worried about you becoming rich if you're poor, but, but I'm telling you, as oppressed Jewish people, I'm telling you that it's not the Romans that are your problem, it's sin, and I'm coming to take sin away. I'm, I'm proclaiming truth to you. Uh, there's salvation coming. There's hope coming to a people oppressed, Gentile and Jew. And I know you don't understand all this good stuff. And they were all liking him till this point. And then look in the same chapter, when they heard these things in, in the synagogue, they were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill where the town was built. And, and, and so that they could throw him down the cliff. Wow, rough message. Like I was, I was trying to be good. I was trying to, you know, um, just just bring some goodness. You're trying to be nice. You're bringing hope. Uh, you're being godly. You're trying to bring truth, and they want to kill you. And Jesus said, "I'm sending out as lambs among wolves. It's going to be difficult. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest, the the darkness, the vast darkness is overwhelming, and it's also the majority." The laborers are few. And I said last week, sometimes we're trying to hold on to this idea that, no, we're the majority. Christian, we're the, we're the majority. We get to hold the majority space. That's completely false, biblically speaking. But we've got a document in Washington that says we're guaranteed that. Well, ask other countries and nations and movements how that's worked out. Again, the Lord is okay scary for us. The prediction keeps going. In Matthew, I got other slides here. Blessed, so remember the Beatitudes, blessed are the persecuted. That's how we feel like, right? Is that how you feel? Blessed, happy? Blessed are the persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, doesn't feel like it. What is that? Because that kingdom of heaven is not fully. So we know the kingdom of heaven is here now, but, but this is cake here where we're at compared to other places where being a Christian is illegal and it's never been legal, and yet the church is thriving. In America, with all of our huge, fancy, multi-million dollar places and celebrity status and cool pastor sneakers and new book deals and all this stuff, and man, look at, look at American Christianity going down the tube. I'm telling you, two out of 10 believers in Tulsa. Two out of 10 around. Just look around. Two out of 10 people are, are actual, born again, I love Jesus, saved by the gospel believers. It's not that good in California. It's not that good in the Northeast, the Northwest. I'm telling you, that's the reality. False belief. I prayed a quick prayer 30 years ago, false Greek, never followed Jesus, never loved Jesus. That's why I'm content to wash my car and walk my dog on Sunday morning. I don't understand worship. And we'll get to that in three weeks about what 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 the beauty of redemption and reconciliation and repentance looks like. But Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great, not now, but in heaven. That's hard. That's hard. And then he said in Matthew 10, you'll be hated by all because of my name. But it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. In Matthew 24, he says, they will deliver you to tribulation and, and will kill you and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Hey, will you go back? Did you, I understand you're hated by nations. Did you mention something about us being killed? That's a small group of people that he's telling it to. They're going to kill you. Man, it got serious quick. So, so we shouldn't be shocked at the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. 2023, expect 
the, the over, overwhelming mass of lostness around you, whether they're nice and have a, a bumper sticker from a church they formerly went to, whether they work with you and they're, they're cordial and they, they think that they're a believer or whatever, just know they would cut your, your Achilles tendon if they get a chance. Maybe family members, maybe coworkers. And I'm not trying to paint a picture like, don't trust anyone. What I'm saying is expect that, especially the lost. Um, John says the same thing. So all of this should just prepare us to know and believe and navigate life expecting some adversity. So lots of blessing and grace, but not we get our way in every situation. I'm guaranteed. And let me tell you, there's some voices that are telling the Christian evangelical world that's exactly it. You get all this stuff. Now, we, we, can, we can vote. We, we can have um, protests where we, we say this is what's right and, and fair. We believe this is real. We believe this is true. We believe some of these things are just obvious from nature and biology, and you're going to get slapped in the face. And it may come to this being illegal to gather together. For your kids, it may be. So I'm talking to my boys about, would you choose to go to church if it was illegal? Because sometimes you seem like you don't want to go or you'd rather sleep in um, just when it's, it's free and comfortable. And so would you choose to go to church if you had to meet secretly? Because two-thirds of the world, they've been doing that for a while, and they're still doing it, and they're thriving. But because ours is so comfort and take it or leave it, we don't care about it. Um, if we want to be a faithful gospel presence, then we're wanting to know God and to do his will. But what if we are so offended or so afraid or so confused that even turning on one another that we've lost our true compass? Compass. We've seen we're in an extremely confusing time. So a loss of trust in who has truth for us. And then also just this idea of how can I know? How can I know? How can I trust? In those institutions. So another slide here. So Brett McCracken has a book. He's wrote some pretty good stuff. But um, he has this, uh, got this slide. Uh, can I hit that next one if it pops up there? Um, so um, this is a pyramid. He, and he's talking about wisdom and understanding the Bible. And so now, sadly, um, the, the, the six levels there, some of you geniuses are going to say, hey, thank you, there's only five parts of the pyramid. I could not do the technological part to make the pyramid into six. I'm sorry if this lost you and you were supposed to go to heaven and get saved today, and you're going, man, I just there's six points, and there's only five parts of the pyramid. Thank you. Like, that's too bad on you. So anyway, so what Brett McCracken has said uh, is that we have flipped our priority order on what influences us. And so he's making the argument that we are now influenced by those top things you see there on, on the pyramid. They're, they're the biggest influence and the biggest time consumers, and where we're hearing and learning and being discipled and counseling. He's not saying that about being discipled and counseling. I'm saying that. Uh, but if you see there at the top one, the first one, just the internet, the web, all those things. So, And again, this is not a thing like, everyone, shut off your phones. Don't have phones. Don't have the internet. That's not one of those messages. Okay, I don't know what we would do. The air conditioning would probably shut off. Ice would shut off, and I wouldn't be able to survive. And so, if you, but, but, but everything on here, just one click away. Right, so just just think through that there, and so what he's saying is we flipped our order, our priority order. The, the second level there from the top that should be one of the smallest ones: music, movies, art. Um, one of the things that we've been doing is what is a great entry level. Uh, if your kids they're listening stuff and you're like, I don't think I like that. Instead of just going like, Hey, I forbid you, because have you heard of things things called AirPods? Because as they get older, they figure out, Hey, they can't hear it if I've got AirPods in. So it drives me crazy. Like I'm driving and like two or three boys put AirPods in. I'm like, what are they listening to? Let, let me stop the car and just, you know. And so instead of doing that, you're like, hey, let's listen to that song. Let's see what the message is with that. What does that guy mean when he says this? So just talk to it. And so now you're not just like bashing it to where they're going to go and secretly listen to it. Like, are you realize that that's influencing you? That's influencing your thinking. Let's think through what this guy's message is or what her message is. Let's think through what, what they're trying to paint of this is what life is. Life is good. Life is fulfilling if it's this. If your body looks like this. If you have this kind of vehicle. If you have this kind of money. If you're this kind of status. Is that reality? Or is the Lord okay? And, and your identity is based in him. So just getting them to see those things. These are influencing you. So um, internet, web, music, and movies, art, all those things um, can be good things. Those are not evils. But how much time are you spending on those compared to that, the last levels there? God's Word and um, 
the, the church. And so the third level there that, that's huge and influential is um, books, information, just information, blogs, um, podcasts, all those type of things. And then those are the three that, that, we're, that whatever, everyone's looking at, and, and you can take statistics and see this is where everyone's spending most of their time. Those bottom three levels of the pyramid, God's general revelation, just taking time to go and sit in silence and solitude, and just so that may be the bee tree, that may be mountains, that may be sitting in a parking lot and just breathing in and going, God, this is beautiful. Sunsets and sunrises, um, all those things. Um, God's general revelation, nature. Now, what, what we disagree with is the Oklahoma hunter who goes, well, I don't have to go to church, Sankey. I got church every Sunday. When I'm in that tree stand, I'm worshiping. No, you're worshiping yourself because you're like hunting. That has nothing to do with God. And so um, that's not what we're talking about, nature and beauty. We're saying looking at God and giving him glory because of that, enjoying his creation. But then the bottom two are the main categories, church, the body. That, that's how you grow. That's God's sanctification process. So for all of Americans who bailed out when COVID hit and who weren't even coming that much before COVID hit and now have just been gone, that, that sandpaper of those other believers in your life that, that, that sharpens you, that grows you, that's, that's what the church is for. I, I'm the greatest Christian every time I'm in, in my own quiet time. I'm the greatest Christian, the smartest one, the most godly one there other than Jesus. And I'm, I'm right on everything until Jamie steps in and begins to go like, oh, I don't know if I, I agree with that point. Or what. So do you see what happens? God built community, the body of Christ, the church, to grow us and sanctify us. But then the bottom level is his word. And so you see that those top three, that's where we're, we have flipped the priority order. Um, and, and if you're thinking about Christians who would say that obviously the bottom two are the essentials, look at your time this last week. And, I, and I, I'm not saying this, so you can take the illustration too far to go like, well, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I want to have this quiet time, but I can't spend nine hours reading my Bible and then only one hour at work. You know, so, so people would be like, well, hey, uh, that's not really fair because I have to be on my computer at work and I have to do this. That's not saying that, but if that's not even in the picture and what your heart desires is all these other things and you're filling your time up with that, we flipped it where, where God's word is not where we're being counseled and discipled. And we're not becoming a person of wisdom and learning and growing like that. Um, we are actually being influenced by other voices. Now, the, the danger in this, uh, when you see that as we flip this order, um, all these things, um, it's not only more and more, but also we get an, an immediate jolt, an immediate jolt of dopamine that hits the brain when we start going to these other places. And those top ones, those, the, the top level of that from, from the, our devices and from the internet and from TikTok and Twitter and all those things, you're, it, it's, it's an algorithm that addicts you and keeps you there. It's designed to do that. Um, it's trending, it's flimsy, it's fleeting information, and it's often wrong, but it's set up to where you're going to keep getting things that tie into that same type of thinking because they know that's what's going to keep you. Finally, somebody sees it my way. Finally, someone understands it my way. It's a personalized, you know, your own personal view of Jesus even. So wisdom is not just having all the right facts. Satan has the right facts, right? Wisdom is not just having more knowledge. It's not just having more info because both of those could be 95% wrong. I have a ton more facts than you do. Well, what if 95% of my facts are wrong? 95% of my knowledge is wrong. Our boys always, they'll come like, hey, do you know it's actually not really good to wash your hair every day? Where'd that come from? TikTok? An 11-year-old discovered this? Oh, okay. Well, you stink and your friends don't like you because you're in athletics every day and your hair looks gross and pitiful, but an 11-year-old TikTok discovered a world-changing phenomenon that you shouldn't wash your hair every day. And I know there's a thing about the oils and all that, but I'm just saying. And so all these other things, it could be foods, it could be these things, you know, like, did you know this, Dad? And you're like, where'd you get that from? And I'm not bashing just the young culture. It's, it's, that's where they're getting their information. I'm like, no. And so it just surprised me that we're not going to wake up one day and they're going to go, hey, that, that big, huge yellow dot in the sky, it's not the sun anymore. It's called toast. 
and you can eat it. And people just go, ah, millions of people. Like, oh, that, that's, that's toast now. Have you had some toast today? And you're just like, no, we've always said, everyone's agreed that that's the sun. And all of a sudden, no, no, now we're, let's fight because that is not the sun. That's toast. That's how ridiculous some of this gets. And where? Because there's, there, my information is just as truthful as yours. And so in that, um, it takes discernment, using wisdom, which is the ability to apply truth to life situations. It's a matter of learning wisdom from God's Word and the Spirit and being in the body of Christ to be able to use discernment. We're going to talk more about those in the next couple of weeks. But he, Brett McCracken said, the, listen to this statement, the ability to weigh greater and lesser good truths. So the ability to weigh greater and lesser. So there may be 10 truths. There may be 20 truths. You're going to have to be able to weigh for your family, for your stances, which ones are the greater for your your truth. And and the people that choose this other option, theirs is still truth also. It's still biblical. It's still godly. And so you've got to be able to do that, to weigh greater and lesser goods and make complex decisions. And by the way, we do not like complex decisions that take many, many hours or, or time. We want someone to go, here's four Quick ways to do this. Four simple ways. Give me the list. Give me the quick list. I want results. Complex decisions involving multiple, sometimes competing truths. And so when inside the evangelical world, there's 20 versions of something that that are all biblical and all true, we've turned on each other and begin to shoot our own Believers, shoot our own church, shoot our own evangelical brothers and sisters because their truth is still truth also. They're not saying Jesus is not son of God. They're not doing those things, but, but we, we will turn. So I want us to consider how I discern if I'm listening to all these other voices. They have an agenda and it's not your soul. It's power, it's money, it's their agenda. So look at this slide here. So the, the next one is just, this is how, we don't, I don't think that we recognize and realize how much we're influenced. So if you see this, um, remember those four things that I talked about, we're always being influenced. This influence is a mixture of the world around me, good and evil, God and satanic, my own heart. Uh, it affects my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so if you look at this, um, the, the next one there, Clayton, um, th- this is what, you don't even realize this is what's influencing me. Um, whether we realize it or not, we are constantly being discipled and counseled by someone or something. Have you considered who you're getting most of your information from? Are you considering and have you considered how much of your data and information comes from those places? That, that's our world. And, and I'm just saying, man, when that's my 85 or 90% and this is less than two minutes and my time in community is, is, is an hour, man, you're being discipled and counseled by something. And again, this isn't a message to go, so hey, uh, February 1st, everyone show off their internet, get rid of your TVs, get rid of your iPhones, you know, Mac is the devil. That's not the point. But you should be old enough and mature enough to be able to, to discern some things that, am I being influenced and I don't even realize it? And sadly, um, it may be believers, but that doesn't mean that their counsel or direction is wise or correct. They may just be claiming to be believers in order to, prof- to in order to profit from this huge evangelical culture. If we sway and influence them, we get votes, we get power, we get money. And no one doesn't see that. And so, just know. So, think through, assess what's influencing you. What, where are you receiving counsel? You are being influenced. You are being discipled. You are being counseled. And so are you aware how much in a day's time, a week's time, a month's time? So I want you to consider that this morning. Um, if we were to look all the way back to Genesis, the last slide I have, and I didn't, uh, didn't know if I'd include, but just, just this idea. Look at Genesis 2 now, if you remember. Everything's great. The tree of life and then the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God in Genesis says, hey, Adam and Eve, 
you don't need to just have raw information. An overflow of knowledge about all kinds of things, that, that's not good. And we're not a good society at going, hey, you know what, I need to put some earmuffs on and get back to this and get back to what is the mission of the church? What, what is God doing with my life? And instead, we're hearing all these other voices that are distracting and misleading and confusing and bringing up all kinds of emotions, and we get addicted to it. So I just want you to take some time to assess. Um, as Brad comes, uh, hey, we'll do a final song and we'll do the Lord's Supper. Just take some time to assess, not, not just this morning, uh, but also this week. Um, what, would be, we, what would be different if we flipped it back to where God's Word and, and the people of God learn to be a faithful gospel witness? Um, where we're not just having to attack culture, jumping into their fights on, on social media and just joining in. If they're going to attack us, then we're going to go and attack them. Not joining in with arrogant, um, uh, just judgmental things, but, but to go, man, can I be a faithful, merciful, truthful gospel presence in a world that, that, that doesn't seem to care about that? Thinking through your goals this year, what would be different of that? Let me pray and give you some time to think as we sing this last song. Father, we um, thank you that in Genesis you knew that you had provided everything that was good and a blessing. You'd provided grace and you'd provided mainly yourself, your creation, but, but you as the pinnacle, as the everything that Adam and Eve had you. And you knew that in the middle of that, that there was this tree that you put there, this, this knowledge of good and evil. In our hearts, Lord, we don't think that we're just necessarily always looking for evil, and sometimes we're just going and looking, and we're just curious, and we're looking, and we're being tempted, and you knew that that was going to cause a downfall. And yet you come and rescued us in your grace. You come and provided the provision that we would not be able to pull ourselves out of, that we wouldn't be able to um, clean off our sin, that we wouldn't be able to um, remove ourselves from sin. But you provided Christ for that. We want to hear from his voice. We want to hear from your word. We want to be guided by the spirit and truth. We want to love one another in a, in a different way. We don't have to be so distracted and so divided. Would you provide that peace that we just saw in, in Advent? Hope and peace and joy and love. We thank you that you promised that. Would you help us to assess this week, not just today and Sunday morning before four-minute song, but, but this week to take some time to get alone with you, God, to consider where our hearts are at, what's influencing us, what's discipling us, what's guiding our directions, what's affecting our emotions, and what's guiding our behaviors and our, our decisions. Would you help us to, to maybe have some renewal in that? Would you help us to uh, be humbled and repent, not to hold on to things that we... we this is my way. This is my truth. I'm smart enough to know this, but, but to be humbled, to, to be open to those things. Would you bring a gentleness there for repentance and for faith and for confession, but renewal, Lord, for a faithful gospel presence. We know this world needs it. We can't affect the whole world right here, but, but you've placed us in this area, and so we pray that you'd allow us to be faithful with that. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.